0: I'm Steven Adams. This is down to Doug. I'm, I'm miffed and peeved. That's not the words. What do I say? Hello, I'm Alex Sabrinas. I'm not miffed and peeved. I'm about to dunk. I'm not miffed and peeved. Hello, I'm Alex Sabrinas. I'm not miffed and peeved. I'm down to dunk. I'm Steven Adams. I'm not miffed and peed. I am down to dunk. Yo, this PG, and I'm down to dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host Andrew Schleck We're part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, and featuring Dash Radio at five o'clock Central Time Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. With we'll me this morning is my good Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Good morning. It's a very rainy morning here. Rained all night. It's flooding. Really? What? Flash floods. What? Do you get those alerts on your phone where it, like? It goes bah, bah, when there's some kind of weather alert.
1: Uh, no, we well, only have <laughs> the amber alerts.
0: Oh, well, that happened. My wife, my wife's phone was uh, on ring, and it woke us up a couple times, just telling us it's just flooding outside. Man, so it was
1: it was uh, eighty one out here yesterday.
0: Beautiful uh,
1: weather, just beautiful.
0: <laughs> it's actually a great day until the middle of the night. Um, which is fine, just rain in the middle of the night. Uh, you, you know what else is raining in the middle of the night? Thunder surgeries or something. Uh, <laughs> so, not surprising. I mean, we knew something with Paul was coming. Uh, so he underwent surgery for a torn rotator cuff. Partially torn tendon, actually. And that is not great. It's a major surgery. That's something that's going to take a long time to recover from, and so, uh, what were your thoughts whenever you first heard that it was rotator cuff?
1: Well, don't don't leave out his other surgery. He's also having a procedure to correct a small tear in his labrum of the left shoulder.
0: Yes, yeah, he um, will. He will soon undergo that procedure.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, with any thunder injury. <laughs> Looking back at the history, yeah. Anytime I start seeing about what the timetable is, when he's going to be reassessed, I'm just already getting nervous, already getting anxious. Right? Is he actually going to? Is he actually going to make it on time? I mean, it says in the article, there's no official timetable to return, but he'll be assessed when training camp opens. Then there was some other a language that you know he's expected to at least miss the beginning of training camp. So who knows what that means? If we want to be optimistic, it would be great if if you could just get back by the start of the season. You know, that would be great. That's all we really want. Yeah, um, I would. I label, I, don't, I would label
0: myself as doubtful on him starting the season.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I don't blame you. I I would kind of feel that way based on just the Thunder's history, like their injury luck,
0: mm-hmm.
1: recovery luck, I guess. Uh, so yeah, it's not great, but you knew it was coming and at least it's getting done right now. Gives him as much time as possible.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that is probably the most optimistic take that you can have with Russ and Paul, like that Russ is taking care of his finger. I don't know if he had a PRP injection in his knee or what procedure was done, uh, for Russell. I would guess it's PRP. And it takes a little while to recover from that. I, I'm pretty sure it's the same thing that he had in September of last year and wasn't able to return for like four games for the Thunder because of that. And so it's really good that Russ can get this stuff out of the way now. I don't know why he didn't last summer. I think that he wanted to see how his training went before he did it. But I think it's good that he did that, that Russell did that now. So at least you won't have Russell missing a bunch of time um but yeah paul i mean i don't want to put a time my own like fake timeline on it but i would be shocked if he was starting the season and maybe he will maybe things would go really well um but you just have to wonder with his two follow-up surgeries after this what what it will look like if he'll even be back by uh the playoffs i don't have, i have no idea
1: and who knows, because I, I'm probably dumb for feeling this way, but we, we kind of feel like there's a decent chance that this this rotation will be similar to the way it was last year, whereas last season it was like, well, we're losing Melo now. They're mm-hmm. probably going to be playing a little bit differently, although I guess they really didn't get the training camp time last year either because Russ wasn't there. Right. Um, but I guess the hope is that, well, they finally got a whole season to play together, maybe training camp, It's not like they're installing some dramatic new system, more than likely.
0: Yeah, So maybe it's
1: not as huge of a deal.
0: Yeah, most likely Billy will be back. They'll kind of know what to expect for the most part. And I think, I mean, the most important thing, and we've known this the past two seasons, is that Paul is not healthy to start the season, but that he's healthy to end the season. And Oh, so you're saying we're flipping it. That is truly what matters. I hope so, man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I I mean, this team has shown great promise at the beginning of the season two years in a row, like been very good. And then they end the season poorly because of injuries and wear and tear. And I just I hope that they can take this season a little slower and not try to just kill people out the gate and just take your time, you know, I mean sit guys on back-to-backs if you have to uh really try to focus in on the bad teams and not having to play your guys you know 38 plus minutes against these bad teams because i think that rest is going to be such a huge thing and maybe paul coming back from something like this is going to force them to rest him which may not be the worst thing in the world uh Because if you have a healthy, if we go into the playoffs and you have a healthy Paul George, Russell Westbrook, Stephen Adams, I mean, if they had that against Portland, I think they beat Portland. Uh, They didn't have that, though. And so to me, that's going forward, that's the most important thing. I mean, there's just no question to me, is having a healthy Paul George and him being the best player on the Thunder.
1: And and honestly, looking at these two injuries, I know the Paul George procedure is way more severe this injury is more severe
0: yeah
1: but if i'm being honest like i'm more worried about russ because you know he had this surgery back in 2013 was did fine for like five years Mm -hmm. last year had one of these procedures now again is having another one of these procedures seems the team is admitting that this is going to be an ongoing issue that they at least need to do some type of proactive maintenance for which is a good thing i'm glad they're doing that yeah but you do kind of wonder, like, how long can this go? Like, is there some point where a one, once a year minor procedure isn't enough? Where it just, like, catches up to Russ and either affects his play on the court or even worse than that? I, I, I'm a little worried about the Russ knee, honestly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, that, that would make sense. A guy that's moving into his 30s and has had that knee issue, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's going to be a part of the of the story of the rest of Russ's career. You and, and you've
1: already talked about this, but, you know, this, these minor procedures, that's a form of proactive maintenance. Another form of proactive maintenance is rest yep. and, and load management, not just for Russ, but PG and Steve. And so we'll see if that becomes a part of their approach next season as well.
0: Yeah, I think it needs to be. I don't know that they'll do it, but I think that it's 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 necessary. I mean, you saw the way that Kawhi was handled this year, and a lot of that is due to you know them wanting to cater to Kawhi and try to bring him back and show them like, listen, you can whatever you need to do to get yourself prepared for the playoffs and do whatever you think. And I think that a lot of that, the load management stuff, is coming from Kawhi's side, which is great it's great for him and right now he looks like the best player of the playoffs you know he's been absolutely uh, incredible and a guy that was injured you know for almost like a full calendar year it felt like come back I mean I just think that the Thunder it would make sense for them to at least do that with Paul George and at least do that with Steven Adams because Steven has not been his top self the past two seasons come the playoff time because he plays so many minutes. And then, yeah, Russ, too. I mean, with Russ, I think that... I think he'll be the most difficult one to tell to sit just because he wants to compete, he wants to play. Uh, But I think it would make sense, you know, if they're playing Charlotte and Charlotte doesn't have Kemba Walker. Like, okay, well, we're going to sit one of you guys. You know, we're going to sit you know, Russell tonight, and we're going to let Paul play, or we're going to sit Paul and let Russell uh, destroy whatever rookie point guard they have, you know? Yeah. So I think I think that, that with this team, with the age that they are, and with the knowledge that other teams are doing this and having success with it, I I just don't know why you wouldn't do it.
1: Yeah, and like those games where it's like the fourth game in five nights, I, yeah. I, I know you shouldn't just punt a game. But it really wouldn't bother me. I really wouldn't care. And you, they just like you're sat not guaranteed
0: to lose, you know? Like you could, yeah, that's true. Like Deont- Deontay could blow up. <laughs> Deontay could blow up. I mean, the Spurs, how many games did they win where they just sat everybody? Right. I mean, I don't know. I, I think that, that with the, with this news, I I just think that it, it makes more and more sense for them to take a good look at that. And, and they should. Use it. Use load management. Um, You know what else you should use? Oh, I'm not getting this one. (laughs) You should use physical therapy and balance centers. (laughs) Uh, So, if you're recovering from an accident, a surgery, if medicine is not the avenue that you want to take for pain relief, then you need to grab a consultation at physical. That's F Y Z I C A L. If you're looking to lose weight, gain strength and endurance, physical therapy and balance center is also a great place for that. Uh, so, if you are an athlete, uh, like high school, college athlete, and you're looking to just get a little bit better at what you're doing, even a lot better at what you're doing, physical therapy and balance centers is a, definitely a place you should go check out. Every person's program, every person's treatment is unique. So, just stop in. You can find out more. Don't just drive by physical therapy and balance centers over there off May Avenue. Uh, go in, give them a call. You can find, uh, you can send them an email or um, actually, I don't have their email address, so don't do that. Give them a call 405 400 8909. Go to their website, fyzical.com. Backslash Oklahoma-City is their website. And you can find out more information there. Go support the people that support Down to Dunk and visit Physical Therapy and Balance Centers. Okay, so Alex, why don't you present the idea since this was your idea yesterday. So let's get into it.
1: We have a few things. First, I just have this random one that I just wanted to bring up. Uh, So I've just been thinking about Russ's legacy. Recently, I wanted to know, like, how he stacks up against other players. And specifically, I was wanting to see how he stacked up against uh, Allen Iverson. Yeah. Who is one of my favorite players of all time and a player who he gets linked to simply because of the way they approach the media. their inefficient games, you know, these uh, anti analytical games. So I just thought this was interesting where Russ is right now in comparison to Iverson. So they have both made seven all NBA teams. Mm hmm. Iverson has 11 all-star appearances versus eight for Russ, which I definitely think he'll probably get to 11. Um, they both were on their all-rookie team. They both have won two all-star MVPs. They both have won one MVP overall, and they both have one win in the NBA, uh, NBA Finals. Wow. So they're, they're very similar in terms of their resume right now. And, of course, Russ has a lot more years left. Mm-hmm. That was just a random thing I wanted to throw out there. Okay. Okay. So first thing, Andrew, we're going to do a lightning round of questions to get you excited about the playoffs again. The Thunder aren't in it. Okay. I know, you, I know you've been watching. So I'm going to ask you one question going forward because we've been stressing out about the Thunder's offseason. Why don't we stress out about some of these other teams? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to ask you one question about each of the remaining teams in the playoffs, and you have to give me your answer right off the top. You have not seen these questions. You cannot prepare. Okay. So you just have to go with your gut okay okay some of them are actually like actually about the thunder but the first one the boston celtics
0: Mm.
1: who watching their fans react recently has been kind of it's been soothing because it's like (laughs) oh that that was us a few weeks ago
0: it's been soothing
1: (laughs) they they hate they hate their team in the same way that we kind of hated our team at the end like for the same reasons Mm -hmm. okay who would you rather have big question right now andrew
0: Going forward, Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum? Ooh, good question. I think that I would still say Jason Tatum uh, just because I think he has a higher ceiling. Uh, yeah, I think that's where i go. I agree.
1: And I think, it, I think people are freaking out a little bit too much about him. Mm-hmm. He reminds me of, do you remember the year, I think it was 2016, when Steve had that great playoffs? Yeah. And we were like, man, if Steve just plays like that for the rest of his, like for next season, he's going to take a major jump. And then he came back and he was just kind of Steve again. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a similar thing has happened with Tatum. Because you look at his stats, they're basically identical to last year, except he like, has a few more points, one more rebound per game, one more assist per game. He's still shooting 37% from three. He's taking more attempts from three than he did last year, even though everyone's freaking out about all his mid-range jumpers. He's getting to the line about the same amount. Like, it's not that different. Yeah. And I feel like people have totally turned on him. So I'm I'm getting in in low. I'm buying low on Jason Tatum.
0: Yeah, same. I think people – the expectation for that rookie class after they were so great was just – kind of crazy like with donovan mitchell as well with jason tato right i mean it was yeah. they, i think you you just think those guys are just gonna blow up after their rookie season that doesn't always happen <laughs> these guys are still like 20 years old like why do we have to like call their careers now it's, i think it's just kind of stupid
1: um okay moving on the milwaukee bucks okay how many of these players will be on the bucks roster next season so uh, how many of these four Okay. George Hill, mm-hmm. who has an $18 million contract, but only one million guaranteed. Chris Middleton, Miritich, Brooke Lopez. All of those guys, those last three are gonna be free agents, and then you have the one million guarantee for George Hill. How many of those four end up? You don't have to tell me which ones, but you think they bring back the whole crew? Probably two. Wow, two. So they could lose two of those guys.
0: Yeah, I think Brooke Lopez is gonna be really difficult for them to keep, but I also think like they kind of have to keep him, you know?
1: I know, like we're going into Giannis's final season before his final season. Yeah. So I just think it's interesting. They have so many guys coming up for free agency that are really important to them. They're going to have to spend a lot of money. And I just, I'm, I'm worried for them.
0: Yeah, I think I think, I
1: think they'll be fine, but I'm still a little worried.
0: Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, this is, the Thunder have experienced this over and over and over again with stars. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you have to you have to get it right. And I think it will largely depend on, like, how things go for them the remainder of the playoffs. You know, they get to the Eastern Conference Finals, and do they get to the NBA Finals if they do? I think that definitely makes, you know, them keeping Giannis, the the chances, a lot better. Uh, but then also you got to make them happy next season, too. And you've got to put the right guys around them. And I think they have the right formula, but I just don't know if they have what it takes to keep all those guys.
1: Okay, the Toronto Raptors. First of all, how are you feeling right now about Kawhi's chances of returning to Toronto? What what would you put a
0: percentage? 64% he stays.
1: Really? Wow. You're so optimistic, Andrew. (laughs)
0: I just think that's a really good team. And it is. They're in the Eastern Conference. And Masai Jiri is, I think that, I mean, he's going to have to look at Masai and say, no. Like, I would rather go play with Doc Rivers, which is like, it's obviously a good option. But to me, if you can get to the East Finals or the NBA Finals on that team, they're largely going to stay the same. They're, you know, Pascal is young. He's going to get better. They'll get OG back, uh, who could be really good for them as well. Like, I, I would do that. And with a, an aggressive type GM, I, I would. I don't know. Like that, that. I think that that would be a tough situation to leave. And you can live in LA like for a large portion of the of the year. You know, you don't. Right. You don't have to live in Toronto. That's <laughs> if you don't want to. You don't. You don't have to. You're there for, you know, 41 games, and you know, you're on the road the rest of the time. And then whenever you're like staying put somewhere, it's you can be LA. So, uh, okay, that wasn't
1: I, actually even my real question. Okay, I was just feeling. I'm putting out some feelers about Kawhi. Here's my real question. Ignore their salaries. Okay. Rank these five Raptors bench players from most to least wanted for the Thunder. Mm. So you could have you could have any of these guys ignore their salaries. Who do you think makes the most sense? Norman Powell, Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, Jeremy Lin, Patrick mccaw
0: Oh uh OG Ananobi, number one. Number one. Uh Fred Van Vliet number
1: two. Who are the hey. other guys? <laughs> norman powell jeremy lynn patrick mccaw
0: i think i would do that order norman powell okay. jeremy lynn pat mccaw yeah
1: okay there's been a lot of uh upset stomachs about the raptors bench this offseason i don't like, worried if these guys suck
0: yeah i mean van vliet's not been good in the playoffs yeah, he's been pretty
1: bad for them okay the 76ers if you could resign only one of these guys at their likely market value, would you rather have Jimmy Butler or Tobias Harris Ooh. if you were
0: the 76ers? I would probably probably be Tobias Harris. Still? Okay. Yeah. Because I
1: feel like the playoffs have changed some people's opinion on Jimmy Butler. Jimmy's been great.
0: I'm on him. I just think that this team's ultimate destiny is for Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid to be the best players. And yeah. to to be the guys that run that offense, and
1: or is it people are getting fired up about Ben Simmons?
0: I know he's another super young. Like, what is he? Twenty one years old?
1: Yeah, it's weird <laughs> that it's his second season.
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I I don't know. I think Tobias Harris fits better with those with those two guys. And to me, it's all about those two, and who is going to fit around them. I don't know why they were so rushed with this timeline to get all these guys right now. Cause if, I mean, they're not going to get to the East finals and it's, that's going to be disappointing. And then like, you've lost assets in the process of, I mean, it just feels very rushed. Um, especially with how strong the East is right now in the top four. Yeah. If if, like those teams weren't that great and you felt like you could, you know, propel yourself and get to the finals. Sure. Like you, you're not going to have a chance to go to the finals every year. Uh, but to me, when your point guard and center are under 25 years old, like what, what's the rush? And that's, and Tobias Harris is younger. He's going to be a role player to fringe all-star type of guy for a while. And Jimmy Butler, I just, I think that the, the tip stuff is like legit scary, you know, uh, as guys like approach a certain age. You know those guys that play for tips, like they just don't last. So,
1: I I might agree with you, but I, I don't feel as good about it as I did like a month ago.
0: Yeah, for um, sure. He uh, Tobias Harris has not been great, and Jimmy Butler has. He's
1: been yeah awesome. Okay, the Denver Nuggets. If you were the Nuggets, do you pick up Paul Millsap's thirty million dollar team option? Oh man, this summer. It's a tough one. I didn't realize this, but they could have a ton of space if they wanted to.
0: Yeah, and the question is, can you get a guy that is as good as Paul Millsap out on the free agent market? Because
1: Jamal Murray, they'll be paying him not this season, but the next season is when he comes up. So they have this like one season where they could add a big piece relatively easy. They could not pick up Millsap's option. They could try to trade the expiring contract of Plumley, yeah, and they could get to basically a max mm-hmm Kind of interesting.
0: It is interesting i if you're Denver, I guess it just depends on who you feel like you could attract there, and if they're better than Paul Millsap, who's been awesome for them? you know, and I'd, he's he's
1: also going to turn thirty five next season.
0: Ah, wow, is that true? Yeah, he's old, man. He's very old. Uh, but he's been he's been great for them. I think that's that's a really a really difficult decision.
1: I wonder if they give him like a kind of Pau Gasol type deal, where they don't pick it up, but they're like, we'll give you a few extra years. I don't even know if you. See, I don't know if that's a good idea either because of his age.
0: Yeah, I didn't think that was a good idea with Pau. Yeah, true. Okay, the Portland Trailblazers.
1: I want you to predict Al Farouk Aminu's next contract. <laughs> he's gonna be 29 at the beginning of next season Still, so still relatively young okay still in his prime what do you think aminu gets on the open market 448 okay 12 million a year for Aminu. i think he could get it too
0: yeah he's been good he was re- i mean he's obviously awesome against the thunder um How mad does it make you mad, or do you feel emotions whenever you look at the way that Damian Lillard has played in this series? Uh, yeah, it's been it's been troublesome,
1: been troublesome in the Spears household. Uh, yeah, I've been that's one series I've been following really closely. Yeah, um, I mean they still had some magic. I mean that four overtime game was really insane. Yeah, that was insane, and I was at a bar. This is a cool thing. They did happy hour every time the Blazers were leading. Oh, wow. So people only went up to the bar when the Blazers were ahead. And it was a really close game, so it was actually going back and forth. (laughs) So it was pretty fun. You had to be very strategic in your beer ordering.
0: (laughs) That sounds like a lot of fun.
1: Um, Yeah, it's – I mean I don't know how much of that has to do with the Blazers are like – Because the Nuggets are a good defense. They were a pretty good defense all season. Maybe they're playing them in a way that is better than what the Thunder were doing. I don't know. Obviously, some of those long threes were just he was on fire.
0: I mean, that whole Game 5, I went back and watched it because I tweeted about him shooting 25% against the the Nuggets and then 48% against the Thunder. And I was like, okay, I need to go back and watch because, like, there's so many people who have been like, oh, yeah, the Thunder didn't defend him well. They didn't do it. And I'm like, I don't know. I thought kind of thought they did. And I went back and watched. like almost every three he took was, like, either highly contested or, like, way off balance in game five. And he just made everything. Like, go back and watch it. Yeah. You can go see every made three that he made on YouTube and it was insane it was absolutely insane and he just hasn't been that guy at all and so like maybe i mean i don't know how, what to even make of that um but it seems like watching that series it seemed like well this is this is Dame's moment like this is his like Dirk Nowitzki moment where he's going to just take over the playoffs and he's just going to kill everybody and then he gets to round 2 and like he's not able to do it against Gary Harris and Jamal Murray? Really?
1: Yeah, I know. Jokic is now the playoff darling. He's awesome, he, man. It, it, it was a battle of the darlings, and Jokic is winning.
0: He is. He's got very scratched arms. I love how yeah. that's, a, that's a story right now.
1: <laughs> okay, Houston Rockets. Rank these four Houston bench free agents. For, these are all free agents from most to least wanted. So you don't even have to worry about salary. Thunder okay. can get any of these guys. Okay. Austin Rivers, Gerald Green, Amon Shumpert, Daniel House. Most to least
0: wanted. Oh, <laughs> Ew. This is, I feel like this is, uh, uh, these are very moral <laughs> choices here. No, 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 no. You can, you can step back. I guess Austin Rivers. Really? Daniel. Joe huh. Green and then Shumpert.
1: Wow. Okay. So Shumpert is your least wanted. I think so. I might go Daniel first.
0: <laughs> I th- I really considered it. I really did. I just I still think there's not enough of a track record with him in the NBA to know if he's like oh, actually sure. good.
1: Yeah. Um, I feel like okay. he's a guy
0: that could be signed. Like if the Lakers signed him to like a deal if they had the opportunity to, and then he would just go there and just be awful
1: oh yes that that is there's a he's, he could be like another pat mccaw right Or he just like vanishes right on the face of the earth
0: mm-hmm.
1: um okay last one golden state warriors what is your prediction for what happens with boogie this offseason
0: oh my
1: you have to make a boogie prediction he, of oh. course at a pretty serious injury although he could still come back apparently i do think... You think he and he do you think he gets his big deal or do you think he does another prove it deal
0: I think he has to do some kind of prove it deal. Um, I wonder he'll, if it, he'll get a little bit more money, but it'll be with the Lakers. That's my prediction. The
1: Lakers. Okay. Cause I, I kind of wonder if Katie does leave, does he decide, well, I could really rebuild my value if I came back to golden state again, because now there's going to be even more touches for me. I'm going to be on a good team. That's actually like my biggest fear. If Katie's going to leave, I want the Warriors to implode. I want everything <laughs> to go wrong, and I don't. I'm not convinced it's going to happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, even if they don't get Boogie, like they're still going to be good. Yeah, they'll be good, but they're
1: they have so many guys that are going to be free agents. Like all of those young bench guys that we don't really think are that good are all going to be free agents, and they have to decide whether they want to pay them or assign a bunch of random, m- like minimum salary guys that have never played in this system. Right. So I think that is going to be a huge decision for them. I mean, all yep. of those guys. Come on, Looney. Uh, who's the other guy? <laughs> I was able to name one. I got to <laughs> Who one. Who else is
0: like a big deal for them? That's a free agent. Uh, Quin-
1: Quinn Cook. Yeah. Uh, the Jordan Bell. Yeah. Like- but these are –
0: this is their bench. Jonas Jurebko. Yeah. Don't you just think they'd rather go get different guys?
1: I guess, but these these goobers have been in the system.
0: <laughs> I don't think it I don't know. If I'm them I'd want to go get different guys. Like none, well, none of those, them. None of those guys are inspiring at all.
1: They can go get all those loser Houston bench guys.
0: <laughs> I mean like half the league is gonna be free agents. I know. So That's true. it's gonna be the summer's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be absolutely crazy. And
1: I'm glad that we're going to be a little bit more relaxed, which leads us into our next segment. Yes. So I was thinking about how I felt at the moment the season ended and the, the few days afterwards. Obviously, Thunder Twitter was in shambles. We were all depressed. We were a <laughs> still technically in shambles, I would guess. Probably still in shambles. But I wondered... You know, how did the feelings that we are experiencing right now compare to the way we felt at the end of other thunder seasons? And so we're going to play it's not really a game, I don't know what it is <laughs> We're going <laughs> to rank the thunder seasons from best to worst in terms of how we felt at the moment the season ended, so most optimistic to most pessimistic, or most relaxed to most anxious. If that makes sense to people. So I'm going to yes. run through my list. And with each season, I'm going to tell you what their final record was, how the season ended. And then I went on the Oklahoma archives and found a little blurb from an article. <laughs> it's the most that was exciting parts to me. I've got my like,
0: nine-month-old in my arms right now. Just so you know, if, I, if you're hearing like squeaks and like oh, him okay. pulling on my headphones, it's not me uh, making weird noises.
1: Oh, I heard that one. Yep. <laughs> so, so it'll be a little, it'll be a little blurb usually from an article that was written like the few days after the season ended. And the key about this is we're talking about the moment the season ended, how we felt. So for instance, when we're talking about 2016, we don't know that Katie's for sure going to leave. However you felt at that moment is, is what we're basing it on. Okay. So you have to keep that in mind. Yes. So my first one that I'm going to do, so this would be the season at the end of the season. I was most optimistic. I was feeling the best. Mm -hmm. I decided to go with the final season, 2012, Final record that year was 47 to 19. How did the season end? Well, they lost in five to the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals. One of my favorite moments was Scott Brooks calling the three guys over, calling the team over, telling them, hey, you know, go be really sweet to the Heat <laughs> and, uh, and come, back next, come back next season stronger. I always liked that moment. That, that was my, because at that point, I feel like everything was gravy. Because once we got past that Spurs series, which they were down two zip, they came back, won four in a row. It just felt like, oh, this is amazing. This team is way ahead of schedule. Mm -hmm. I don't, I mean, this finals is great, and it ended up being a lot closer than the five games would indicate. But I was just feeling good. Like we had everything going for us. The future was
0: bright. It was. You had like three of, I mean, you had three of the top youngest, top young players in the league on your team. And like they're only getting better. They were really good. They had they had something special. That's my number two. But I do have so with each uh, season that's two thousand fourteen or before, I have a deep cut trivia for you. So okay. that season nailies. Yeah. Name the top three bench players in minutes played during the regular season. Okay. Uh James Harden. James Harden number one. Nick Collison. Nick Collison number two. And number three, Daquan. Daquan Cook. Very good. <laughs> you have nailed the first deep cut trivia. Wow. That was impressive. I feel
1: really good now. Well done. Okay. <laughs> listen to this Oklahoma article. Now, th- I will warn you that this is the longest one because I thought there were so many nuggets in this story yeah. that were really interesting in retrospect. So I, for, for the rest of these, I'll tell you who wrote it. For some reason, I didn't write it down for this one. Okay. So it said, This year, on the eve of what was shaping up to be the least suspenseful first round in the franchise's Oklahoma City era, they're talking about the draft,
0: okay? Oh, okay, yeah.
1: A report surfaced that said the Thunder has sought to trade into the top three. The supposed target, Florida guard Bradley Beal. So this Mm. was right after they'd made the finals. And this time, the player provided a first-handed account of Presti's plans. He told me he was going to decide what they're going to do and considered getting up there, Beal told ESPN on Wednesday. According to the report, Presti spent three days in Gainesville during the lockout watching the Gators practice. The report goes on to say Billy has had numerous... Oh, so oh, that was a Freudian slip right there. That was. <laughs> this report goes on to say Presti has had numerous conversations with Florida coach Billy Donovan, both over the phone and in Dallas, back when Donovan attended the first-round matchup between the Thunder and the Mavericks. Isn't that interesting? All yeah. the way back then, 2012, Billy Donovan was in the stands watching the Thunder play. Okay. Sam's I'm, guy. I'm, I'm,
0: Sam's I'm, guy. still
1: going. Still going. The question is this. How much can the Thunder afford to give up for its coveted man, if he is indeed the coveted man? A report from CBSSports.com, citing an anonymous source, said Thunder guard James Harden could be in play in a potential swap between Presti and former Thunder assistant GM Rich Cho who's now the Bobcat's general manager. I thought this was interesting because when we think about the the Beal trades in the past, we always thought it was offering Harden to the Wizards for Beal. Right. Right. I hadn't really thought about this one, which in retrospect makes so much sense for the Hornets.
0: Oh my goodness. Can you imagine?
1: Bobcats. Like they, that was the season they took MKG right. as pick. Okay, anyway.
0: Oh. Any,
1: any conversation centered on the Thunder climbing 26 spots certainly would begin with Harden. But one league source called talk of the Thunder trading Harden at all, quote, humorous. That team just went to the NBA Finals, the source said. I don't think they're breaking up that team. Mm. Uh, and then it goes on to talk about how there's growing concern that if the Thunder don't do so now, it'll be forced to in the near future. They talk about how, uh, you know, the Thunder are coming up on a lot of big contracts. It says though Harden and Mayner both hinted last week that they would be willing to sacrifice financially. To stick around with the Thunder, their deals and Abaka's new contract seemingly all would have to be well below their market value in order for the Thunder to keep its core intact. NBA Commissioner David Stern has repeatedly trumpeted the need for player sharing under the league's new collective bargaining agreement, and the Thunder might be the first team to fall victim to the league's new model. So that was like before all the hardened stuff. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Very, some very like interesting little details in there.
0: Yeah, that is interesting.
1: Okay. Number two season, most optimistic, and I think this was your number one season. I went with 2010, mm-hmm. their final record, 50-32. and 32. How did the season end? Well, they lost in six to the Lakers in the first round. This was the year they they made the playoffs for the first time. They got the standing ovation at the end of game six with the Pau Gasol tip. They increased their wins that season by 27.
0: Yeah, that's so crazy.
1: It was definitely... It, and I understand why you put it number one, because it, it felt even more gravy. Because like, going into that season, we weren't really thinking playoffs. No. And then the, the fact that they not only got the playoffs, but they got the playoffs in a really tough Western Conference and got 50 wins and showed up against the Lakers and pushed them to six games. Feeling pretty good.
0: Yeah, they won 23 games the season before. 23 I mean, and then you went 50 and you played the Lakers, who at that time, that was like, that was the team. And then you thought, man, if they can just play them close in a sweep, that'd be awesome. You know, and then they win. They won games. I mean, it was just it was just crazy. It was absolutely nuts.
1: Okay, and what did the Oklahomans say? May 3rd, 2010 by Darnell Mayberry. The Thunder, meanwhile, is set up to avoid becoming a future tax team. The Thunder should have roughly $16 in cap room this summer. Still, the Thunder should be mindful. They have maintained a manageable payroll because it has nine players currently signed to rookie-scale deals. But soon those players will all be eligible for extensions. That means a rash move to go from 50 wins in the first round to 54 wins in the second round isn't likely in the cards. And this is the part I thought was interesting because I did not remember this. Memphis attempted to speed the process up by acquiring $16 million man Zach Randolph. They won 16 more games but still missed the playoffs. And the Grizzlies slowed the development of number 2 overall pick Hashim Thabit this season while possibly jeopardizing the re-signing of rising star Rudy Gay.
0: (laughs) Good job, Darnell.
1: And then he he said, uh, To this point, the Thunder has made sure each move would not disrupt the long-term picture. And the reality is Oklahoma City will never be able to compete financially with the Boston, Chicago's, Dallas's, Los Angeles's, and New York's of the league. That, you know, look at them cool. now, Darnell. Yeah, look at them now, Darnell. We're spending so much money. <laughs> <laughs> Take it.
0: In your face, Darnell. Look at our tax bill. <laughs> uh okay, deep cut trivia. Yeah. In twenty two minutes, I want to see how close you can get to James Harden's averages for his rookie season. So he played twenty two minutes per game. What were his points, rebounds, and assists in his Jeez. rookie season? I
1: could I could have done this for two thousand twelve. For two 2000- thousand Ten. I will say ten points per game, uh, three rebounds per game, three assists.
0: You are very, very close. Very, very close. Nine point nine points per game. Woo, that's a win. Three point two rebounds per game. Ooh, that's a win. One point eight assists per game. Oh, he had not become a pass man. No. I I, rem- oh. I remember distinctly. I think it was Rick Buecher said that. The Thunder made a huge mistake in taking James Harden. They really should have taken Demar Derozan. I'll just never forget that and just be like, "What are you talking about, Rick Buker? <laughs>
1: Um, Okay, the next one. We're still feeling pretty optimistic at the end of the season. Yeah, I, w- I went with 2011.
0: Yeah, that's me too. That's number three okay. for me.
1: Final record: 55 and 27. How did the season end? They lost in five to the Dallas Mavericks in the Western Conference Finals. So this was. The year after, losing in the first round of the Lakers. A year before, making the finals. What did the Oklahomans say? May 25, 2011, Barry Trammell again. He says, D- disaster, <laughs> and embarrassment, and infamy filled the Thunder rearview mirror as the Mavericks threatened to post a comeback for the ages Monday night. 20-something seconds left, the Thunder up by two after leading by 15 less than five minutes previous, needing a basket to stave off an epic collapse. Kevin Durant passed the ball. To Tabo Cephalosha. And I have no problem with that. But you know the rest. (laughs) Tabo missed an open corner jumper. Dallas forced overtime. And the Mavs won 112-105 to effectively end the Western Conference Finals. Coronation is set for Wednesday night with Game 5. Will such a meltdown have a lasting impact on this franchise that could or should run at least this deep in the NBA playoffs for several more seasons? Only if the Thunder fails to recognize how this happened. A total offensive train wreck um so th- this was the weirdest one because i couldn't you go on the archives for the oklahoman yeah can't access any articles within the like six day span after that season ended oh really they're, they're hiding something from us Andrew. wow what i don't know be? what it is i'm gonna blow this wide open when i have some time but that's why <laughs> i had to use an article written about game four i think yeah which was a miserable game but we were still feeling really good because, again, they pushed it even further than you would think. I mean, we were just talking about, you know, Darnell saying, you know, does it really make sense to bring in someone just so you can get to 54 wins in the second round?
0: Mm-hmm. Well,
1: they ended up going 55 wins and making it to the Western Conference Finals.
0: Yeah. Uh, deep cut trivia. Yes. There were two trades made at the trade deadline. Oh, man. Can you name the two trades and all the players involved? <laughs>
1: Okay, 2011. Mm-hmm. So, I think the Nanak Kerstich. No, that was a free agent. Um, two trades. 2011. I'm trying to think of anything. Mind is blank.
0: Uh, oh, Eric Maynor. Hold on just one second. I'm making sure. I, maybe I have this wrong. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Was Eric Mainer too early?
0: No, 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 that was the. It was the. I'm talking about somebody. Bit two big guys that were traded to the Thunder.
1: Oh, was oh wow, was that the Jeff Green yeah. year?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, okay, so Jeff Green, Nate Robinson, and mm-hmm. somebody for Perk. No, Perk and Nate Robinson for Jeff Green, and somebody. You mentioned his name already. Then that. Oh, Nanad. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Nanad was
0: the next trade. And then a pick, the Clippers 2012 first-round pick for Perk. And then there was one more trade for a big man.
1: For a big man?
0: Yep. I don't know. You'll have to tell me that one. Uh, DJ White and Morris Peterson for Nazi Muhammad. Oh, yes. Who is, like, strangely still around the Thunder, like, all the time.
1: Yeah he's he's kind of he's poor man's nick carlson you
0: know yeah he's like he's at the playoff games nausea was yeah uh a, f- a fun oklahoma note too. a uh, jenny carlson in a video referred to morris peterson as maurice peterson at least three times maurice but we all <laughs> call him <laughs> that's his nick that's, that's what his friends call him maurice um,
1: um okay next Still feeling optimistic. 2009 inaugural season. Yep. Final record: 23 and 59. How did this season end? Well, they missed the playoffs. This is one of my favorite. This is what spurred me on to keep looking up Oklahoma articles. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> April 16th, 2009, by John Rohde. Here's what it says: The Thunder must do what it can to obtain Oklahoma power forward Blake Griffin. Does the Thunder do this by any means necessary? Depends on the circumstances, but the franchise does have plenty to offer. It also has plenty to not offer. Does it offer Kevin Durant? Absolutely not. Russell Westbrook? No. Jeff Green? No. No. Tabo Cephalosha or Nick Collison? Not if it can be avoided. Nanad Kerstich? Preferably not. (laughs) (laughs) What? What? What is happening? That leaves veterans in Earl Watson, Damian Wilkins, and Chucky Atkins. No. no. <laughs> there is also some young bait in DJ White and Kyle Weaver. Or yeah. potentially Sean Livingston. Young bait <laughs> for Blake Griffin for the number one pick. That's what we're gonna do. <laughs>
0: wow. Wow, that is that is just gold right there.
1: Nad Kerstitch. Preferably not. Preferably preferably. I'd rather not do that. You need to hold on to him. <laughs> I'd,
0: rather, I'd rather not have the number one pick and have Nadine Kristic. Oh, that's really good. That's yeah, really good. Oh, deep that. cut deep cut trivia for two thousand and eight, two thousand nine yes. season. Yes. Uh give me the top five <laughs> players in three point percentage.
1: Oh my Damien Wilkins.
0: Damien Wilkins is number three at thirty seven percent on one point uh, eight attempts per game.
1: Kevin Durant.
0: Kevin Durant is number one, 42% on three attempts per game. Three.
1: Uh, Earl Watson.
0: Earl Watson shot like 23% that season. He's not in the top oh. five. Uh i don't really feel like jeff green was shooting a lot of threes jeff green on three attempts per game the same as kevin durant 38 percent. he's number oh, two. Oh wow yep. okay so
1: that's
0: three of them uh chucky atkins chucky atkins also just awful from three he's like in the <laughs> 20s yeah
1: who else was on that team
0: uh he's one of the young bait one of the young bateman
1: Oh, the young Bateman. Uh, so that would be Kyle Weaver? Kyle
0: Weaver, number four, 34% on 1.7 attempts. Wow. And who was the last one? Last one is Russell Westbrook at 27% on 1.6 attempts per game.
1: Jeez. So the 27% doesn't surprise me, but I would have never guessed that was in the top five.
0: It's in the top five for that season. <laughs> uh, one more. Desmond Mason played 1,064 minutes that season. Tell me how many threes did he take and how many did he make? Wow. Okay.
1: So I, now that I remember him, I would have guessed him. Well, he obviously was less than twenty-seven percent. Yes. Um. How many threes did he take? I'm guessing like a hundred. Okay. And I'll say that he made twenty percent.
0: He took three. Whoa! Oh, oh, really? Took three total, and he made none. He's a small forward, right? Yep, in a thousand sixty-four minutes, he took three three-point attempts and made none of them. They could have all been heaves. I don't know,
1: dude. My memory is so skewed now because of the way basketball is. I know. Like we've talked about this before, but going back and looking at uh, Rip Hamilton, yep, in my in my head he was like some prolific three-point shooter, and you go back and it's like, no, he didn't really take threes, right? I and just it- I can't believe it was like that back then.
0: I mean, three for Kevin Durant ten years ago. Three attempts. That's it. These are their best three-point shooters. Their top three three-point shooters took 6.8 per game combined. That's crazy.
1: That was a decade ago. Insane. Ten years. Okay, next one. Still feeling pretty optimistic. Yeah. 2014. Okay. Final record was 59-23. and 23. How did the season end? They lost in six to San Antonio in the Western Conference Finals. This was in part due to the Serge Ibaka injury, calf injury, I believe. So he was out the first two games. They lost those, but then they won game three and four. were very excited. Then they lost games five and six. And game six, I was reading back on it. Ibaka played 48 minutes, so he was (laughs) fine by that point. Tony Parker missed the entire second half. I think it went to overtime and they lost. Yeah. The reason I put this one here is because at this point, they still had two more KD seasons left. Yeah. They didn't really have any long-term health concerns going into that next season at that point. Yeah. You would soon learn differently. But, you know, with the Westbrook injury, like, that was a real, like, knee injury. You're worried about how's this going to affect him long-term. Ibaka, he had already come back. So you were thinking, all right, we just need to get these guys back together and figure this out.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so what did the Oklahomans say? So this was from June 5th, 2014 from Anthony Slater. This is uh, what Kendrick Perkins was talking about his exit interview. Agenda-free basketball is what Perkins has termed it, putting aside personal goals for the better of the team with an understanding that the individual shine will come after the wins. Perkins called for Russell Westbrook to play more consistent defense, to stop gambling as much, for Kevin Durant to get stronger and build a sturdier base like some of the all-time greats <laughs> did over time. But most of all, he called for a team-wide championship mentality from day one of training camp. That's learning how to play the right way for 82 games and not trying to turn on a switch in the playoffs, Perkins said. The two teams in the finals right now, they play the same way all year long. They make every right basketball decision every time down. The Thunder, in his estimation, don't, at least not at this point. A little foreshadowing of the Thunder in the playoffs. And then a bonus. Listen to this. Durant is one of the most prolific and accurate free-throw shooters in NBA history, but this postseason, he wasn't the best on his own team. That distinction falls to Westbrook, who got to the line and converted at an incredible rate. In the playoffs, he went 145 of 164 on free-throws. He took Shoot. 164 free-throws in the playoffs, 88%. Against the Spurs, he went 54 of 59 for 92%. Oh, man. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay, do you have any uh, trivia for that one?
0: I do. do. Kron Butler, who was acquired uh, via buyout. Yeah. Uh, Can you tell me what he shot from three in the regular season versus the playoffs?
1: Okay, regular season, I'll say like 37%. Okay. And then in the playoffs, I'll say like 21.
0: In the regular season, in over 100 attempts, so it's not like nothing. He shot 44% from three. Okay, the playoffs he shot thirty five percent. Oh, <laughs> which is like, like oh when I saw this like oh I guess it wasn't bad. as bad as I thought.
1: <laughs> One that I didn't include because I, I but I had forgotten about it was um, Tabo getting benched in the Spurs series. Yep, which is surprising in retrospect because Tabo would go on to have some good years with the Atlanta and even Utah. Yep, um, but yeah he got benched for Crom
0: Butler. He was awful. He was not good for the Thunder that year. I remember. Yeah, but still.
1: <laughs> okay, next. <laughs> 2013. Yeah. Final record 60 and 22. The year post Harden Trade, the first year post Harden Trade. How did the season end? They lost in five to Memphis in the second round. This was, of course, the season with the Patrick Beverly injury to Russell Westbrook yep. in the first round. Um, so this was the first season in the shadow of the Harden Trade. It was the first season that felt like a real missed opportunity Mm -hmm. Um, because before this season, they had basically been exceeding expectations every single postseason. This was the first real setback for this team. And obviously we know what happened going forward, but even at the time, you know, Westbrook hurting that knee, everyone's always worried about I mean, this was right around when Derrick Rose is kind of floundering in the league at this point, post-injury. So you're just worried about how is this knee going to affect Westbrook going forward turns out not too bad, but still I, we, we were, we were excited because we still had these guys for a few more seasons, but we definitely had a lot of disappointment with how the season ended.
0: Mm-hmm. And they were the best team in the regular season. And it wasn't real, that really that close. Yeah. And it felt like, yeah, they, this team could go win it all. And then the way they went out to Memphis too, was so disappointing. Like Kevin Durant was so discombobulated on the offensive end. When you think about that, like that team still had like Kevin Durant, Serge Baca, and Kendrick Perkins, and Reggie Jackson, and it's not an awful team. Um yeah. but they lost in five to Memphis. It was that was super disappointing how they played.
1: A quick a quick one from Barry Trammell from May fifteenth, two thousand thirteen, with just some great Trammellisms. If you're tired of missing Russell Westbrook, mentally worn down from wondering what might have been, here's a change of pace, Thunder fans. Go back to missing James Harden. (laughs) Remember when the biggest Thunder mystery was how Boomtown would fare without old James in the postseason? Seems so quaint now. Now we know what real trouble looks like. (laughs) Uh, And then he goes on. But for the sake of time, I will uh, move on to the next one.
0: I do, have, I do have a, I do have a oh, uh, do. trivia, okay. deep cut trivia. I think that's the yes. last. This is the last one. Um, top four and three point percentage that season and the sixty win season.
1: Okay, so Kevin Durant.
0: Kevin Durant is number three, forty one point six percent.
1: Okay, so this is two thousand thirteen. Probably not Reggie Jackson. No. Um, probably not Russell.
0: No. Uh, Kevin Martin. Kevin Martin is number one, forty two point six percent on four point eight attempts per game.
1: Um I don't think Eric Maynor was playing a lot at that point. It was even on the team, I don't know.
0: There's one guy better than Kevin Durant, one other guy besides Kevin Martin.
1: One other guy. Oh, Serge
0: Sur- Serge was Serge taking threes yet? Serge took did he's not in the, in the top 4. He was 35% that season.
1: Oh, that's pretty good. Um, I don't know. Who are the other guys?
0: Tabo Sefalosha, number two, 41.9% oh, on 3.2 attempts. How oh, about that was Tabo's best year? So good. And then DeAndre Liggins was number four at 36.8%. percent <laughs> have 8%. never gotten that. <laughs> yeah. He only took 19, though. He didn't play a um, lot.
1: Well. Okay. Next one. Now we're starting to get into more anxious, more depressed, yes. more pessimistic. Yeah. We're making a
0: turn here. Let's, let's, let's fly through some of these.
1: 2015, final record 45 and 37. Yeah. They missed the playoffs. Katie misses 55 games. Adding on to that is now they're going into Katie's final year.
0: Yeah.
1: So this is really good. This is from Barry Trammell, April 17th, 2015. This Sun <laughs> This thunder season was kooky. Trades by the number, injuries by the score. So kooky, Scotty Brooks couldn't be held responsible for such chaos. And now. The NBA's foremost media insider, Yahoo Sports Adrian Wojnarowski, has reported that the Thunder is evaluating Brooks's job status. I think the Thunder should keep Foreman Scotty, and I think the Thunder will keep him. Though I don't claim to know any more than Rumbler Jeremy Lamb. If you want to go into the <laughs> final year of Kevin Durant's contract with Billy Donovan coaching Russell Westbrook, may the good lord take a liking to you.
0: Did he say that? Yes. Wow. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's kind of funny.
0: That is really funny. Yeah. Okay. The Plagues of Egypt season. That was awful. That was so terrible.
1: It was awful. But we still had KD.
0: Still had KD. Still had, still had Russell. Like it's, you still felt like you know what? This is just a, a freak year.
1: Okay. Next one, maybe a surprise. I'm going 2019, Andrew. Oh, okay. Final record 49 and 33. We know yeah. what happened. Dame hit a shot. We lost in the first round. We had an awful shooting in games one and two. Cantor outplayed Steve. PG shoulders, the post-All-Star break run. It wasn't great. Not but great. But in retrospect, you know, we're going into this offseason without any questions about our free agents. Yeah. So that feels pretty good. We're getting these injuries out of the way, maybe, hopefully, optimistically. We're taking care of some stuff. We still have some moves to make if we want to
0: yeah you know (laughs) you know
1: (laughs) and eric horn april 24th he said the thunder's latest level of cratering will momentarily be overshadowed by lillard's epic 50 points but in the annals of okc history it'll be another crippling loss ranking behind game six of the 2016 western conference finals against golden state
0: yeah
1: which i agree with uh It was a thrilling back-and-forth series, which leaves the Thunder with a valiant fight, but ultimately a painful unraveling to complete a season and series laden with disappointment. I think that's a good way to sum it up. Okay, next, I went 2016, Andrew. Okay, yeah. So I put that as my third. Final record, 55-27. Lost in seven to Golden State in Western Conference Finals. This was going into the KD Free Agency. I didn't rank it any higher because... I know for you certainly and for a lot of people around OKC still feeling very confident about KD coming back at that point. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even I don't even think it we felt like a 50-50 thing. I think people were still like on the positive side of that.
0: Yeah. yeah. And there were reports leading up to it saying right, saying so.
1: Yeah. Okay, listen to this one. This one is depressing. Oh no, <laughs> I
0: don't know if I can do this.
1: Very Trammel June 1st 2016. A different Thunder offseason began Tuesday, and not only for the reason you think. Sure, Kevin Durant's future will consume us all this month of June, and everything else Thunder pales in comparison. Keeping Durant is paramount. Everything else is just details, but those details make for an interesting summer. For the first time in forever, the Thunder has no roster holes, no glaring needs. Keep Durant and the Thunder are loaded. No injury questions, no coaching adjustment concerns. No search for post-scoring or a defensive stopper or a six-man. This roster is good enough to win the NBA championship, and the <sighs> Thunder just proved it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very painful, and they were going to get better. I mean, yeah, I don't want uh, to uh, talk about that. I really just don't.
1: Okay, I won't read the last line, okay. but I will. For several years, it's been what can Sam Presti do to deliver a championship to Durant and Russell Westbrook? Now it's reverse. What can Durant and Westbrook do? Due to deliver a title to Oklahoma City. (laughs) That's good. Oh man. Okay. That's good. good. Next one. This was number two, most depressed, most pessimistic. I went 2017.
0: Oh, you did? Okay.
1: I did, and I'll explain why. So 2017, the final record, 47 and 35. This was the year the MVP season. They lost in five to Houston the first round. The big question. This was the summer of internal development, Andrew. How are they going to upgrade this roster? We had Victor Oladipo, who's widely thought to be a bad contract. So, Bonus was coming off a pretty awful rookie season yep. in general. And you just looked at this team and you're like, this isn't sustainable, but how do they get out of
0: this? I know. I, I, the day of the Paul George trade, I was texting with Brett Dawson and I texted him, The Thunder are screwed. Like, what are they supposed to do? Like, they've got Cantor and they've got Oladipo and they've got Adams. Like, they're all in these giant bloated contracts. Like, what, who's Like, what are we supposed to do here? who's right. gonna take these deals and the answer was like we just thought like nobody's gonna take them like they just have to just pray that they're gonna get better and then like, and listen, they traded for paul george that same night i mean it's just crazy
1: and listen to this foreshadowing by barry trammell may 2nd 2017 hey alex we're gonna yeah.
0: i gotta go so i want okay, you to, I'll finish i want you it to out. finish with a okay. slight rendition of deborah bucket's basketball hour okay he's super depressed okay <laughs> okay
1: I guess for old times' sake. Debbie, <jazz phrase> welcome to the Deborah Buckets Basketball Hour. The bookend to your favorite Thunder podcast, Downton Dunk. Now, what I was about to say is I am talking about 2017. Listen to this foreshadowing by Barry Trammell, May 2nd, 2017. I walked out of Sam Presti's post-mortem news conference Monday not quite ready for the angst that awaited. Readers, fans, people back at the office, everyone seemed dismayed at Presti's message that the Thunder had had a good season and through natural development could improve next season. That's close to what Presti said, but that's not what people heard. What they heard was the Thunder roster wouldn't change much, which of course is counter to the season's common theme, that Russell Westbrook needs more help. But everyone can relax. The next Thunder roster won't look like the most recent Thunder roster, Through trade, through signing, through exodus, through osmosis, things will be different. What about that from Barry? Some great foreshadowing. He was already feeling optimistic. He wasn't buying in to the exit interview from Presti acting like uh, the season or the summer was going to all be about internal development. So that was our second most pessimistic, most depressing, most anxious end to a season which brings us to what I thought was the worst. And I'm guessing Andrew didn't mention this, but the way I I said it, I'm guessing he ranked 2017 number one. I'm going with 2018 as my number one. I'll explain why. Their final record, 48 and 34. How did the season end? They lost in six to Utah in the first round. And the reason for me ranking this number one is I didn't feel very confident about Paul George coming back for whatever reason. I bought into the hype. You know, right around this time, the Ryan Rossillo report had come out that Paul George was, quote, unquote, gone. And I had just bought into it. And so I was looking at this team. We had given up Demonis Sabonis, who was looking pretty good now for the Pacers. We had given up Oladipo, who had turned into an all-star. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, we're about to lose Paul George and go back to a roster that's even worse than the one we had a season before. And, and kind of compounding that was the fact that we still had to deal with Melo. We had this first round series where Melo was by and large, the main culprit from the fans perspective of why the Thunder had played so poorly, right or wrong. But that was the way we thought about it. And it was like, how do we get rid of this guy? And if, even if we get rid of him, what could we possibly get back that will be helpful? There's no chance that he's not going to opt out of this final year of his deal. What are we going to do? And that brings it to the final thing, which was the cap concerns. We were all worried about the cap. Remember being worried about the cap? Remember when we cared about rich people's money? We were worried. We were like, are these ownership is this ownership group really going to pay for all these guys? Because remember, this was Jeremy Grant too. We were worried about having to pay Jeremy Grant. So that season for me, at the moment it ended, remember, at the moment it ended. It obviously changed within like a month or two. Uh, But at the moment it ended, I was most depressed. I think me and Andrew actually before game five. So this was after game four of the first round series. That was when we had our like apocalypse pod where we talked about trading Russell Westbrook. I said, I just need an hour to just vent. Let's just vent for an hour because we're sick of this team. That was a low point for me as a Thunder fan. Now, what did the Thunder or what did the Oklahomans say? So this was from Eric Horn, May 2nd, 2018. He had a little article where he went through four questions for Sam Presti. One of those questions. What is the ceiling with Westbrook? Westbrook averaged a triple-double for the second consecutive season, but is there a ceiling of success under his style? Rather than be reactive following Durant's departure, the Thunder chose to stay in playoff contention and relevancy by working to re-sign Westbrook. He did twice, the second time for $205 million. What's unclear is if there's another level of success beyond Westbrook's last two seasons under the current model. George and Anthony were added, as well as a complement backup point guard in Raymond Felton, and the Thunder improved by one win from the previous season. Westbrook was still ball dominant, and role players such as Patrick Patterson and Alex Abrines failed to find consistency within the offense. Westbrook's defense was again more absent than consistent, with Westbrook as the common denominator, and the Thunder committed to his style for five seasons at an average of forty-one million per season. Can it get more concentrated contributions? Improved three-point accuracy, defense, off-ball movement from its number one. It has to. So that was a nice little foreshadowing of the next season. Last season, 2019, improved three-point accuracy and uh, no, uh, off-ball movement and uh, no defense. Sure, yeah. So so Russell checked three or checked one of those three boxes. Hopefully, he will come back next season with improved three-point shot. Uh, I think it was also for this season, or maybe it was uh, 2017. But in the exit interview, Presty talked about how uh, Westbrook was just taking threes nonstop at the Thunder practice facility. And he was, oh, it was this season. Yeah, it was after 2018. 2018 exit interview, Presty talking about how Westbrook was taking a lot of threes at the at the Thunder practice facility. Of course, he comes back, and we saw what happened. He also got injured, so that probably factored into it as well. Okay, so that was our rundown of the most to least depressing, optimistic, pessimistic end of seasons. The whole point of this for me was to put this season in perspective because it was a rough season, especially a rough end to the season, but I do think there's hope. I'm usually a pessimistic guy, but maybe it's that I was so (laughs) pessimistic about past seasons that in retrospect, this season didn't look as bad. You know, I ranked it fourth. Eh, it was the fourth most depressing. Eh, not too bad. All right, so that's the end of the pod. Please follow Andrew on Twitter, at Andrew K. Schleck. You can follow me at LBabyCakes. Thank you for listening to Down to Dunk, and we'll see you back on the Fry Pod. da 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 da